the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, hello everyone. This is Al Fadi again, and I want to welcome you to uh, this uh, live stream marathon. This is uh, our third one, and we have a very special guest, our dear brother David Wood. Of course, everyone was anticipating this moment since I announced it. And uh, today's topic that uh, myself and uh, David Wood will be covering has to do with Ramadan again, but except this time we're going to talk about Ramadan, fasting or feasting. And uh, David did a video, by the way, on this. If you go to his channel, Act 17 Apologetics, you'll see that he did a short video concerning this topic. But I asked him if he can come in and join us uh, in order for us to uh, benefit, of course, from having him uh, in uh, the studio virtually. And of course, this will be a two type or two parts, I should say, live stream for our radio audience, uh, which is also called Let Us Reason. And that's our podcast. So this is the beginning of our first part for Let Us Reason podcast. We have about 24 minutes, give or take. And with that in mind, uh, David, welcome, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us. Ramadan Kareem Al-Fadi. Hey, to you too, brother. <laughs> How's it going? It's going well, man. So first of all, how are you doing? I mean, everybody keeps asking me like I'm, the, I'm like your guardian. It's like they want to know what's going on with you. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I told people in a update on on Vocab's channel and stuff that um, uh, periodically we have changes in nursing and so on. There's actually a, a nursing shortage in our area. I don't know if that's related to COVID or what, but you can't find uh, home care nurses lately. So, um, yeah, I'm basically we we have two disabled sons. So two of our five sons are, uh, are on life support due to a rare muscle, um, uh, disease. And, um, they weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to survive one year. Um, they've, they're, they're 13 and 10 now. So, um, but normally we have a nurse at night to take care of them and now we don't. So th this has happened, this has happened before. So, uh, basically, I take over as night nurse when we don't have a nurse. So I hear you. I yeah, hear That's night nurse point. now. So it's it's yeah, changing schedules a bit. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, of course, for uh, taking mm -hmm. really time to be with us here. Um, the topic that uh, you know you and I uh, just bounced back and forth has to do with Ramadan, and you really uh, rightfully so suggested that we call it Ramadan fasting or feasting. What's that all about? You know, tell us. Uh, you know, uh, the, the intent behind it. Of course, I know what you mean by it, but we want our audience to benefit from that. Um, well, 
I'm sure you're aware of this, <laughs> but this is the great irony of all ironies. So Muslims have this month of what they call fasting. And when you tell Christians or really anyone else that you're, you're fasting, that means something. Um, if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, I'm fasting tomorrow, that would normally, now you can fast from particular things, uh, but normally what we would just assume if we heard that someone is fasting is at the very least they're not eating. So if you said, hey, I'm fasting tomorrow, I would assume you're not eating, you're not consuming any calories tomorrow. And that's what you're, that's what you're not doing tomorrow. We get to Ramadan and we find out that this is where Muslims eat the most food during the entire year. Right. Uh, and I, I was I was told this way back in college when I was uh, taking classes and uh, took a class on Islam taught by a Muslim. And he was talking about the fact that um, every study shows that food sales skyrocket during Ramadan. Right. And I thought that was really weird because that was the first time I heard it. Right. Wait, wait a minute. Food sales skyrocket during your month of fasting? What in the world is going on there? And so it turns out that what happens is that Muslims, of course, have to abstain from uh, from food and water and sex and so on during the daylight hours. But at night, they they tend to gorge themselves with food, right? They have what we would call a feast. So they have what we would call a feast after the sun goes down. And then they have another, what we would call a feast um, before sun up. So they actually have two feasts per day in, in during the month that they call a month of fasting. And so that's why we would say, well, is this fasting or is this feasting? I mean, if you if you just had one feast during a day, I would call it feasting. If you have two feasts during a day, it's really, really, really strange to say, hey, I'm fasting and, and that's what I'm doing here. And so it's just a, a, a strange because, I mean, if, if you think about this, most of the world, most of the world um, in, in the West, especially the United States, people tend to eat more than lots of other people down through history. For most of the world, for most of human history, you know, if you if you had dinner, let's say six o'clock p.m., that was your last meal at, at six o'clock p.m. Then you'd eventually go to sleep. Then you wake up. If you had breakfast, if you had breakfast, note if you if you had breakfast at six o'clock a.m., you just haven't eaten for twelve hours. Right. It wasn't that you're fasting. What you're not fasting. That's just that's just a time when you're not eating there. That's just a period of during your day when you're not eating. In Islam, they just kind of reverse that, and they say, "Well, the the nighttime hours. That's when we'll uh, we'll feast, and then we just won't eat during the daylight hours." And so. I guess if you're used to if you're used to eating during those times and all of a sudden you have to not eat during those times, I guess that would be depriving yourself kind of, you know, deprivation. But it's just this idea that your food sales are skyrocketing. Your food consumption is skyrocketing. There are all sorts of health problems associated with Ramadan um, because of this binge eating where 
instead of instead of actually depriving yourself, now all of a sudden you're consuming far, far more calories. And then you take all of that and just call it fasting. And then, hey, let's all pat ourselves on the back because we're we're doing these religious duties of gorging ourselves. Now, here's the thing. If they called it the feast of Ramadan, I wouldn't have a problem with it, right? I mean, uh, hey, if this is your if this is your month and you're going to have this month long feast, well, okay, cool, have your month long feast. It's just this. It's like calling it. It's like it's a parallel to calling Islam a religion of peace, right? It's That's like right. it's right. the exact opposite of what you're doing, is what you're calling it. You know, it's uh, it's wild, pretty wild stuff, Al. It is. And, you know, uh, when I used to fast, of course, uh, as a Muslim, doesn't mean that I'm not fasting sometimes uh, as a believer, but that's a whole different story. Like you said, um, you know, of course, we, we wait for the months of Ramadan with anticipation. To be honest with you, uh, part of the time, sometimes you wait for it just because of the feast that will take place, the type of food that is cooked yep. usually during Ramadan or the type of desserts that are being at least, uh, you know, cooked publicly or made publicly in the market streets. And then, of course, people wait for the last, uh, you know, uh, uh, two weeks or 10 days of the month because they start shopping. It's almost like Christmas time. You know, you go shopping, new clothes and gifts and all kind of stuff. And not to mention desserts, of course, because uh, the Eid, you know, the celebration to break the fasting, people start visiting each other. You offer them those desserts and offer them these, uh, you know, sometimes cookies, sometimes just, uh, you know, chocolate and so on and so forth. So you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, at the end of the day, really, I think it's even unhealthy. Because you're switching things, you're doing things at night time when you're supposed to be resting now. And uh, yes, people go overboard. And not to mention, it depends which country you're living in. Where I lived, I think we definitely take it way overboard. And there is a lot of people that suffer from diabetes and uh, obesity and so many other things. Now, let me ask you: in in um, you know, in part of the where you use, where you live, I should say. Uh, let's not mention states, but wherever you lived. Uh, were there any Islamic communities and were they practicing Ramadan in a very pronounced way that it was obvious? Uh, I, I mean, Ramadan is pretty much always a, a very public event. And, and that's kind of why it's so unhealthy, right? When, when you have public eating, when you have public eating, like going even going to a restaurant or something like that, you tend to eat more than you normally do uh, when you're by yourself. Because now it's not, hey, let me eat my meal and get back to what I was doing. Now it's, hey, I'm around a bunch of people. And all we're here for is to eat and have a have a good time here. And so you you sit around and you tend to eat more and they're passing way more food around than normal. And so it, it's it's basically like, it would be the equivalent for us would be, you know, even if we're not thinking of feasting, because we don't ha we don't really have anything like that where we feast for a month. We might have a big meal for a holiday or something like that. But imagine, you know, you're you're th having Thanksgiving dinner twice a day for a month. That's not a good idea health wise. But um, yeah, so it, it's it's always a a very public thing. And so you have public eating. And again, foods, food consumption goes through the roof, all sorts of health problems. And yet, and yet they get the reputation of fasting and depriving themselves during this time. And uh, I, I think we know what Jesus said about that sort of thing. Yep, absolutely. And uh, Jesus always proves that uh, Muhammad was a false prophet 
and prove that many of the things that our Muslim friends practice on account of what Muhammad told them are actually false, inappropriate, and the list can go on and on. And I remember, for instance, when I used to fast outside of Ramadan, uh, I was trying to be very, very legalistic about fasting Mondays and Thursdays because the Prophet of Islam encouraged people to do so, obviously to earn more good deeds. But then later, I discovered the Pharisees used to do this. And apparently Muhammad was copying the Pharisees or the Jews. And, uh, you know, if you ask him why, he probably doesn't have a clue why they were doing this in the first place. Yeah, and it's... Uh... We could actually we could actually read some of what Jesus says about this. Do you want to do this? And I know we're doing two segments. You want to? Do oh yeah, please. Let's let's start the... right now. We have about two minutes, uh, uh, and then we'll jump into the next part as well. I want to ask you also about your experience, for instance, with other Muslims, like when uh, you know Nabil Qureshi, oh. of course, was Muslim. If you've ever interacted with them about fasting as well. Uh, did you say we got about two minutes? Uh, 12 minutes for the first part. and then. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay. I thought you said yeah. two minutes, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll tell you a quick story about Nabil. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> this was, uh, this was funny because this was, this was the same time I was taking a class on Islam and the Muslim professor um, was breaking down how food consumption goes through the roof during Ramadan um, but during this time, I was best friends with a Muslim, Nabil, and I noticed that Nabil was always 15 minutes late for everything he was supposed to show up to. And he would say it's Asian time or he'd say it's Arab time or Pakistani time or whatever he wanted to say. He would he would he would say that there's that there's a it's just culturally he's allowed to be 15 minutes late for everything. But I noticed it was for absolutely Everything. If we're supposed to leave on a trip, everyone's ready and Nabil is nowhere to be found. And uh didn't matter what it was, he was 15 minutes late. And the the first time, the first time he was ever on time for anything was when we were meeting at a restaurant and it was Ramadan. And he told me the minute, the minute to be there, um, because it was going to be uh, it was going to be sundown. And so he told me the minute he would be there, and he showed up right on the minute. And so it's, uh, it wasn't that he lacked the ability to show up on time. It's just uh, he, he, he lacked the proper motivation. But as soon as food was involved, suddenly, suddenly, uh, <laughs> suddenly he had to be on time. And so that, that's uh, but it, it really kind of sums up the the, you know, Ramadan. It's not depriving yourself. It's just kind of rescheduling your eating. And then, you know, we got together. And we had uh, we had a a very big, very unhealthy meal. And if you, if you think about what, if you think about what Islam does, because Islam does this in almost every area, Islam doesn't actually teach self-control. It doesn't say here, you need to learn self-control, right? right? It doesn't say, Hey, you need to learn to control your sexual appetites or your appetites for food or for violence or anything else. It basically channels those things for the use of the religion and gives you an, uh, an Islamic friendly way of satisfying all your, your basis, most animalistic, um, desires. But, and I'm, I'm not saying that, uh, when I say animalistic here, I don't mean 
that in a bad sense of, oh, you're like an animal. I mean, it's not the it's not the higher pursuits like learning or something like that. It's just the things that you have in virtue of being a human creature. You desire you things, desire yeah. food, you desire sex, you desire uh, sometimes confrontation with with others and so on. And normally, normally we think of a religion, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, you could be talking about Buddhism, religions in general generally try to help people moderate those desires so that they're not out of control. And that's just not what Islam does. It, no, notice, Islam doesn't say, uh, hey, you're a man and you want to have sex with a bunch of different women. Um, no, you don't do that. It's one wife for you, buddy. Islam doesn't do that, right? It says, oh, you're a man and you want to have sex with a bunch of women, make sure you do it the Islamic way. And so instead of, you know, just having a bunch of different, you know, female partners during your life, you channel it in an Islamic direction. You can have four wives and then you can, you can change those out whenever you want to. You can uh, have an unlimited number of sex slaves and so, you know, you take your your sex captives and keep in mind, everyone here, we're not talking about what Muslims do here. We're talking about what Islam teaches. And this is what Muhammad and his companions did. You look at Muhammad, he had a lot of different wives. He had a lot of different sex slaves. And so m- Muslims look at a sexually promiscuous culture and condemn it and say, oh, look what they're doing over there. They need to be more modest and self-controlled. And you look at what Muhammad did and what Muhammad's companions did. They're just doing it in a different way. They're doing it in a different way. They're doing the same thing that, you know, a very, very perverted man wants to do. And Allah is just saying it. No, do it this way. Take all of those desires and use them for the religion and do it this way. And then you can have a bunch of same thing with with violence, right? It's if you were out killing random people, well, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea if you're channeling your aggression and your your anger and your rage and your violence in that way. You need to do it the Islamic way. And the Islamic way is you go out and slaughter unbelievers in the name of Allah and you can chop off heads and kill all sorts of people and take captives and so on. And then we get, of course, to Ramadan. We get, of course, to Ramadan. And we're going to have a month-long feast gorging ourselves with more food than we eat at any other time of the year, and we label it fasting. And so we get to pat ourselves on the back for being uh, people who fast the entire month when it's the exact opposite of what you're doing. And it, it seems like Islam just gives people all these things to do and keeps them so busy with all these religious duties. Hey, make sure you get up for prayer and just mindlessly recite these words over and over again. So do all these prayers. Dress this way. Um, Gorge yourself with all this food. Have all these women. Commit all this violence. But because it's part of your religion, it means you're really good. And yet it's having you do all of these things that, if you don't, if you don't get, you know, your, your basic, your basic actions under control, if you don't have, if you never learn willpower and so on, um, 
that that's that's up to you. And if your religion doesn't encourage that, that's fine. What's weird is Islam wants the reputation of encouraging moderation and discipline and self-control while doing the a- absolute opposite of fueling people's, uh, you know, m- just most animalistic desires and then using those to spread the religion. Yeah. Well, we have a, a Muslim here who is accusing us of lying, of course, that uh, Islam doesn't about teach what? killing and, uh, you know, all the things that you're what? talking about. So we are in the second half. I want to talk about the uh, Ramadan uh, bombathon, uh, you know, that you used to do. And it's still, of course, in your channel. But with that in mind, I mean, we have about, uh, th- about almost three minutes uh, and so uh, uh, for this uh, first part. Is there something from Jesus's teaching that you can kick off this uh, with, and then we'll continue with it. Uh, the next part concerning fasting, for instance. Yeah, well, well, well. Uh, especially in Matthew chapter six, we'll want to read a little bit more. But they can get just the idea just if we read the first verse of Matthew chapter six, where Jesus, again, who's supposedly a Muslim prophet, so Muslims are supposed to take Jesus' words seriously. Jesus tells his followers. Take care not to practice your righteousness in the sight of people, to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And this whole section right here in Matthew chapter 6 is Jesus warning people about doing their deeds of righteousness in a way that they can be seen by others. And he tells them, you you have no reward from your father if you're being praised by men for the things you do. And he talks about praying. He talks about fasting. And it's just amazing because if you look at what he says about these outward deeds of righteousness, it sounds exactly like Islam. And the reason it sounds exactly as like Islam is because people who do deeds of righteousness have a tendency to want to be seen by others. And so Jesus says, look, guys, you know, if you're praying, don't 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 be don't be praying to be seen by others. If you're fasting, don't fast in order to be seen by others or that's your reward. That's your reward for doing it. If you're doing it to be seen by others, then that's your reward. Don't 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 expect don't expect God to bless you for these things that you're doing. And so those are the words of Jesus. And yet you have a religion that then comes along and then builds into the fabric of of the religion, the idea that, hey, we have to pray to be seen by others and we have to fast to be seen by others. And there's public blame and public praise for everyone who's doing all these deeds of righteousness. And so isn't it strange that you have a, a prophet like Jesus comes along and says, hey, guys, whatever you do, don't do all this stuff to be seen in public, and then you have Muhammad come along and says, hey, you know what we really need to do? We need to do all of our deeds of righteousness out in the open, out in public as a big collective thing where we're all watching and praising each other. Very, very strange that, the, you know, that they view Jesus as a prophet and they're doing the exact opposite of what he says. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have about uh, one minute left, so I'm going to wrap up this uh, first part, and then we will come back to part two. Of course, if you just joined us uh, with us here uh, virtually, our dear brother David Wood, and we're talking about Ramadan, uh, fasting or feasting. And obviously, uh, we're getting the usual babblers uh, who are joining us here and talking about things that they don't have a clue about. They claim that Islam doesn't teach 
uh, any of the things that we're discussing here. So we are going to prove it to you, case in point, by the way, from your own book. But with that in mind, I want to, of course, uh, thank those of you who are listening to this podcast. This is part one. Obviously, next week for you, if you're listening to this radio podcast, Let Us Reason, we will continue with this discussion. But if you want to watch it, actually, uh, as we are doing it right now live in video, you can always go back to our YouTube channel, Sierra International. And today is April 26th. And you can search, uh, you know, the channel and you will come across this video if that's something that interests you. With that in mind, I want to thank all of you, of course, for joining us. Thank you for those who are, uh, you know, basically moderating. Uh, thank you for your hard work and thank you for those who are giving through the super chat. We appreciate your sacrifices. We would like for you to hang tight. We are going to do just a quick few seconds transition to part two. With that in mind, uh, this is Al Fadi over and out. God bless. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.